Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Champagne and Thongs Take Control, written by G. R. Broda. Gloria Morris is a scholarly, vehement, and hard-boiled private detective, a force of nature who doesn't suffer fools. She's also a lover, and her inamorata understands her swagger and quest for justice. Gloria must locate the runaway heiress to an industrial empire, a volatile young woman who is happy being on the lam in San Francisco, free of her family's dark secrets and business responsibilities. She feels she can protect herself, and perhaps she can, but people connected to her are dying, and someone is pulling the strings. Gloria navigates through the city, dealing with musicians, gutter punks, business people, and the sexually audacious. Narcissistic lawyers, underground doctors, and hired killers enter the fray, and Gloria deals with them as only she can. But the runaway has a soft spot she was flabbergasted to discover in herself. How will it change her life, and will Gloria back her up? And now for your listening pleasure. An excerpt from Champagne and Thongs Take Control. Good night, then. Sleep to gather strength for the morning, for the morning will come. Brightly it will shine on the brave and true, kindly upon those who suffer for the cause, glorious upon the tombs of heroes. Thus will shine the dawn. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, in a radio broadcast to the French people, October 21st, 1940. Chapter 1. The daughter is quite the scoundrel, the Melconian family lawyer declared. Mr. Charles Emerson Price Esquire's voice was deep, operatic, and condescending. He sat at attention in Sheridan Bannon's inner office with Bannon and Bannon's aide-de-camp, Gloria Morris. Bannon was behind his monumental mahogany desk, while Mr. Price and Gloria faced him in two burgundy wing chairs. The men were professionally acquainted. Over the past several years, Bannon had billed considerable hours working for Melconian Industries, Inc. as a legal consultant dealing with the challenges related to bringing their manufacturing plants back to the USA from China. They had worked together successfully, but today the atmosphere was tense and businesslike. Mr. Price even declined coffee. The usual Monday afternoon bedlam in the Bannon office suites was under control. Mr. Bannon, you know about her father's, Mr. Melconian's, death. Mr. Price peered at Sheridan Bannon from under long, curved black eyelashes. His clean-shaven face was pink, and his luxuriant head of hair glowed like fresh snow. Miss Sedeman Lucy Melconian is the sole inheritor to her father's estate, personal and business. A great many people now depend upon her. He used both palms to groom his hair back over a long, narrow skull. Bannon nodded. Yes, I can imagine. His elbows rested on his desk with his fingers steepled in front of his chin. He smiled at Mr. Price. How can we be of service? This is the third time she's run away, the lawyer said. You found her the two previous times. We need to find her again. He tipped his head at Gloria Morris, but couldn't meet her eyes. He didn't like the emasculating effect powerful women had on him. Instead, he removed his thick, black frame glasses, polished them with a pink handkerchief, 
massaged the bridge of his nose for a few moments, and replaced the blinkers. His movements were slow and deliberate. Gloria took the opportunity to look the man over. Mr. Price's dark gray wool double-breasted suit with thin vertical stripes was a masterpiece of custom tailoring and had been recently pressed. The heels of his polished Christian Louboutin leather wingtip Oxfords were new and sharp. His silk tie coordinated with his socks, its full Windsor knot was perfect, and its color matched the emeralds in his pinky rings. What are the details of Mr. Malconian's death? Bannon leaned back in his chair. The police think it happened about three in the morning last Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, however you figure it. He was shot in bed in his home, two nine-millimeter hollow-point rounds to the head. He regularly had a prostitute spend Monday and Thursday nights, the same one, but the rest of the week he was alone in the house except for his dog, two security men, and a live-in housekeeper cook who was married to one of the security men. The dog is a Belgian Melanois, has the run of the house, is a good barker, but not militarily trained, more of a pet. The lawyer groomed his hair with his palms. The killer had to slip by the security men and dog to get to Mr. Malconian's bedroom. He killed the two men, one by the front door, the other on the steps leading up to the bedrooms, but he subdued the dog by spraying it in the face with a strong animal tranquilizer. The killer must like animals, he could have more easily shot it. The housekeeper slept through it all and discovered the mess in the morning. The police think it was a professional hit, very clean. The killer knowing the household routine, no fingerprints, DNA, nothing like that. How's the dog? Gloria liked dogs. She's fine. They look at the security men and housekeeper? Bannon leaned forward in his chair. Yes, all three have been with the Melconian family for many years. The police feel they were not involved in any way. And his companion? The police know her, a very high-class and expensive escort. She was with another client that night. Silence in the room as they pondered this information. Is the wife out of the picture? Gloria tried to make eye contact with the lawyer to no avail. <laughs> she enjoyed his uneasiness. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Melconian have never gotten along since the birth of their daughter. The reasons escape me. Mr. Melconian and I attended law school concurrently at Bolt Hall in Berkeley. I have handled his family's affairs since his subsequent graduation from UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, and I am the executor of his will. The daughter inherits everything with full control. And, what's amazing, she is extremely capable, a very bright young woman. It took our accountants five months to discover she had embezzled a great deal of money from the family business before her recent absquatulation, and they are still investigating to find out how she accomplished it. Mr. Melconian admired such accounting and computer skills. Rather than punish her, he wanted her back into the business to exploit her expertise for the benefit of the company. Mrs. Melconian was cut off without a dime, Bannon said. That is correct. I know that over the years, she was able to amass quite a nest egg, enough to live forever in great luxury. Of course, she had her personal attorney call me to discuss the situation. She is deeply disappointed with the will and envious of her daughter. That could make her a threat, Gloria Morris said. I shouldn't think so. I've known the woman since their marriage. She signed a prenuptial agreement, obviously optimistic the marriage would take, she may be jealous, resentful, and very rich, but she is not mentally unbalanced.
As he spoke, Mr. Price removed a magenta Art Deco cigarette holder from his jacket pocket, loaded it with a Marlboro Red he shook out of a pack dredged from his Cordovan Asprey London attaché case, brandished a bejeweled Ronson lighter from his jacket pocket, and lit the cigarette. He leisurely blew smoke toward the ceiling, then dropped the pack of cigs with the lighter into his jacket pocket. He conducted the entire affair with the grace and elegance of a Japanese tea master performing the shinoyu. Bannon removed a cut glass ashtray from a drawer and set it on his desk in front of the lawyer. Does the wife live on the estate? Gloria plodded on. No, she has enjoyed her own place across town in Bel Air for about 15 years now, but spends most of her time gallivanting with friends in the south of France. She has her own private and social lives. Mr. Price sniffed with disapproval. Sounds like a Marin County marriage, Gloria said. Why do they remain married? Business. Mr. Melconian felt a divorce would not look respectable in his foreign business and social circles. What kind of relationship does she have with her daughter? Gloria took care of the questions. Bannon sat back and massaged his earlobes. Quite estranged, I don't think she's seen her daughter for all of five or six years. I last saw her when I hunted her down in Golden Gate Park and delivered her to you at the San Francisco airport almost three years ago, Gloria said. The girl had been living in a homeless enclave in the rhododendron dell in Golden Gate Park. Gloria convinced her to return home for her safety after showing photos of a mutilated murder victim found close by. Two stoned gutter punks camping with the girl tried to prevent her from leaving. After a brief scuffle with Gloria Morris, they staggered off, and Gloria handed the daughter over to Mr. Price, who flew her in his Cessna to Los Angeles and home to her father's Beverly Hills estate. Yes, she remained at the family home and offices for almost two years before taking off again, Mr. Price said. Learned the family business. Her father had great hopes for her. Why do you think she skedaddles? I have pondered that question for considerable time. The lawyer used both palms to brush back his hair. I really have no answer. I've known Sidemann all her life, but only at a distance, certainly not as an uncle or cousin or brother. Not one flicker of emotion passed over his face. She was always standoffish, reserved, quite the private little girl. I think she was unhappy. Runs off to find happiness, I suppose. If she finds it, God bless her. But now she has immense responsibilities. She must not shirk those duties. He rummaged in his attache case and brought out a large envelope, which he placed on Bannon's desk. His manicured nails reflected the overhead lights. Inside are current photographs of Sietemann, as well as a physical description and short biography. Spare no expense. Find the girl. He gave Bannon a long look. Bill us accordingly. He finished his cigarette, blew the smoke toward the ceiling, tapped the stub into the ashtray, and returned the holder to his jacket pocket. You mentioned the Haas School of Business. Were you or Mr. Melconian acquainted with Mrs. Catherine Hoffman, who also graduated from Haas? Almost three years before, Gloria had met the Hoffman woman, a very wealthy San Francisco businesswoman, socialite, patron of the arts, past owner of the Marbison Modeling Institute, and participant in the local underground sex scene. The woman also turned out to be a psychopath responsible for at least five murders directly and by proxy. 
She was well known for hosting elaborate soirees to raise money for the local museums and was murdered after the last of these, by whom was never determined, although Gloria had her suspicion. We both knew her slightly, albeit not through the school, from business. The lawyer adjusted the French cuffs of his white Charvet dress shirt. The cufflinks were sterling silver lion heads. The lions looked eager. We distanced ourselves from her business affairs following the scandal surrounding her death. He gave the Richard Meal watch on his left wrist a long frown. They stood. Mr. Price, well-proportioned and slightly taller, took the opportunity to look down his nose at Bannon, who was amused by such priggish behavior. The two men shook hands. Mr. Price nodded at Gloria Morris as he fought his way through the thick office carpet without a glance at the receptionist smiling at him from behind her desk. He skidded to a stop in front of Bannon's collection of Ruth Dicker original paintings hanging on the wall behind her. He squinted at them as one of his brown eyes was not quite straight in his head. After a short but intense examination, he smiled without showing his teeth, then cantered down the steps and dropped into a Lincoln limousine waiting on Pacific Avenue in front of Bannon's office. That guy's quite the character, Sheridan, Gloria said, looking after the man. And one classy dresser has a good act. They all sniffed. Mr. Price's Clive Christian men's cologne lingered behind, thick as a cloud. Oh, yeah. He's a very good lawyer with an excellent support staff, especially Henrietta Leeds, his chief associate, a folksy farmer type, but brilliant. In his younger days, Price used to do criminal work. I heard that twice for two different clients, he got rape charges reduced to tailgating. Bannon blew his nose. For the past 15 years or so, Melconian was his only client, and he helped the man make a fortune was compensated with a handsome fee and a healthy percentage of the business profits. There goes a shark who needs not worry where his next meal's coming from. He pointed toward his private office. Come join me for a minute. They sat down in the chairs in front of Bannon's desk. He took a long look at the framed photograph of Lieutenant General Ulysses S. Grant mounted on the north wall of his office and then turned to Gloria. Find the girl. I disagree with our Mr. Price. She is in danger. I'm also interested in who ordered the murder of Mr. Melconian. If you find the hitter, so much better. Mr. Price will be in town until Saturday in case we need him. But keep the body count low. Yeah, yeah. Gloria Morris licked her lips. I take him as I find him. Bannon pointed at the envelope Mr. Price had left on his desk. I'll take it home and examine the contents tonight, Gloria said. The girl's name, Cedeman. Very unusual. Lovely. I like it. I'll have our researcher look into it. Mr. Price was in a hurry. He had a date. Generally stoic regarding women and sex, he was looking forward to this evening's rendezvous with a lady he'd known for some time. She was beautiful, intelligent, sensual, and smooth top to bottom as a peeled, hard-boiled egg. He was straight, so exceedingly straight that he couldn't even tolerate being in an elevator with another man, so his attraction to this transgender woman was a puzzle to him and the only thing in his life he didn't intellectualize. Simply put, she provided good value, and concerning the one-eyed wonder lurking in her panties, that was fine as well. Mr. Price prodded the limo driver to hurry. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Champagne and Thongs Take Control. 
If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.